Hey there, you've turned into Sorting Pin, the California Cattlemen podcast. Every day at the California Cattlemen's Association, we're sorting through the issues impacting you, California's ranching families and producers. I'm your host and CCA's Director of Communications, Katie Roberti, and this podcast is to discuss those issues, talk about solutions, and keep ranchers and the ranching community current on what's happening in Sacramento and beyond. Tune in every other Monday for a brand new episode, and I hope you enjoy this brand new episode that's about to begin right now. Welcome back to another episode of Sorting Pin. Lots has taken place since our last episode was released two weeks ago. If you missed that episode, past CCA and NCBA president Kevin Kester and I talk about the road to passing a farm bill. Also, we talked about the impact of a pending government shutdown and what that could have the impact on for producers. While we avoided a U.S. government shutdown at the beginning of the month with Congress passing a short-term deal, much of the conversation is still relevant. That short-term funding bill, as many of you probably know, only goes until the middle of November. So with that happening and a farm bill still needing to get funded by the end of the year, ideally... The conversation on the last episode is still definitely relevant, so give it a listen if you haven't, and you'll get some great insights from Kevin on what's happening in Washington, D.C. On today's episode, have you ever wondered who decides what beef checkoff dollars fund? How does the board operate? Who sits on the board? Are there any Californians on the board, or is it all people in the Midwest? Or what types of projects the board funds? If you ever thought about those questions or maybe had a neighbor or a friend ask you at a cattleman's meeting one of those questions, stick around. We're going to answer those today. We have Jimmy Maxey and Mike Smith, two California cattlemen and past members of that board that runs the Beef Checkoff. It's known as the Cattleman's Beef Board. They're joining me to have this conversation. We're going to hear how the Cattleman's Beef Board operates, including who's on the board, who makes the decisions, and how the decisions are made of what gets funded. So Jimmy and Mike, thanks so much for both making time for me being on the line today. Hey, you're welcome. You bet, Katie. It's good to be be on the on with you. Yeah, it's good to chat with both of you. I'm looking forward to hearing more about your involvement with the board and hearing from you firsthand how these decisions are made. So let's start with a little bit more introductions. Jimmy, we'll begin with you. Some background, you were elected as chairman of this board, the Cattlemen's Beef Board also known as CBB, in 2015. You're also a former chair of the California Beef Council, having served in 2008. Additionally, you served as secretary of CBB in 2013 and chairman of the National Meat Association. So that's a lot. Um, I know there's a lot more about you that we don't know. So if you want to quickly bring us up to speed on the rest and kind of tell us what made you want to serve as chair of the Cattlemen's Beef Board, um, let's start there. Well, I, I think I didn't know that I wanted to be chair, but I had a lot of people come to me and um, ask me to, to run for office. And after I was elected and became chair and then vice chair, I actually was unopposed. They asked me to run for chairman and I was unopposed. So they um, some people wanted me to do it. So I stepped up and um, I'm glad I did. It was a good experience. Absolutely. And tell us a little bit more about your family and what you do in the beef industry in California. I was born in a small cattle ranch, and I also um, have been in the in the beef business from the meat side of it too. So it's been sort of both both sides of it as far as raising cattle and um, and processing beef. Well, looking forward to hearing more from you about the board and about your experience in the industry, Mike. You were appointed to two terms on the Cattlemen's Beef Board as well, serving from 2013 to 2019. 
As many listeners may know, you've also been on CCA's officer team. Uh, You're currently on the California Beef Council and the California Cattle Council. Additionally, you serve as the region vice president for California's region uh, for the Federation of State Beef Councils, and that region represents Arizona, Hawaii, Nevada, New Mexico, Utah, and California. So you're definitely staying busy and involved. What else are you up to outside of serving on these boards, and what else should producers know about why you continue to dedicate time to this? As many of your listeners may know, for roughly 20 years, I was fortunate to work for the beef division at Harris Ranch. Now, recently, I've retired from the company and have been spending the last few months primarily focusing on my health, spending some time with or some more time with my family and doing some traveling with my wife. To be very candid, I've never ventured very far from the cattle industry. Case in point. As we speak, I'm in Meeker, Colorado, helping a very good friend gather cattle from his summer pastures and his forest service allotment. And the last 10 days in the saddle have been great therapy to me. To quote Ronald Reagan, he's quoted as saying, there's nothing better for the inside of a man than the outside of a horse. And I find that to be very true. Now, I only wish my aging and extremely sore body uh, would agree with that statement, but I, I guess it's been fun. It's been an industry that I have always loved. I mean, that is my passion. The cattle industry, the beef industry, it's something that has helped shape me to be the person that I am. It's helped provide for myself and my family. So it's an industry that I feel personally feel very obligated to give back to, whether that's in the form of of serving on various boards and sharing my experiences, my background, uh, my expertise, if you will, uh, as it relates to issues that are currently facing this industry. Thanks, Mike. It's good to hear from you. I haven't run into you in a while, but I'm glad that you're out traveling and doing some good things for yourself, as well as getting back in the saddle. I think a lot of the producers and cattlemen and women on the board would kind of agree with those sentiments you said about giving back. And that's kind of the reason that they're on the board is because they want to give back to an industry that's given them so much. Um, So let's go into talking about kind of your experiences on the board and about how the board operates. So I'll throw this out to either of you. How is the board set up? Who makes up the board? And kind of what are the eligibility requirements for being appointed? Is it anyone or do you have to be a producer? Is it all sectors? What does the board look like in general? It's primarily made of people that pay into the checkoff, which are cattle producers. There are importers on it, too, because they pay into the checkoff, too, people that import meat. So those two are the primary people that make up the board. We have a lot of cow-calf producers, a lot of feeders. We have a lot of dairy people, too, because they pay into the checkoff when they sell their cattle, too. And a lot of them race, you know, have quite a number of their cattle go into the beef supply. So it's basically those people. And we are nominated by usually our state or area um, agency, like California Cattlemen's nominated me. And I'm sure they nominated Mike, too, when he was put forward. And then those nominations are approved by the USDA secretary that uh, then will appoint people to the board. So it's not Um, necessarily an easy process. That's true. And basically, California is they have the Southwest unit, which is California, Nevada. Uh, California has five people and Nevada has one. And we I think California has four cow-calf. Nevada has one cow-calf and there's one dairy person in the California contingency. I think that's as of right now. Great. I'm glad that you brought up that dairy and importers are also part of it, because that's a question we sometimes get about importers. 
Anything you want to add on that, Mike? I want to emphasize that these are all volunteer positions. No one's getting paid other than reimbursed for travel. Anything else you want to add to that, Mike, before we go into what the purpose of the board is? Only that I, I think that the, the input uh, from the dairy industry is becoming increasingly more important, especially given the fact that we're, you know, with a recent trend towards breeding those dairy cows to beef bulls and producing F1 uh, offspring that are performed very exceptionally in the feedlot, both on the rail. So I think that um, once more that the dairy industry's role in helping the industry shape direction will become exceedingly more important. Let's go into a little bit of the purpose of the board. Obviously, the board is there to help guide the beef checkoff, but what exactly does the board do? And maybe, Mike, I'll throw that one out to you. I think its overarching goal, obviously, its overarching responsibility is obviously to oversee the checkoff. Oversee the checkoff in the form of making certain that all the activities associated with expenditures of checkoff dollars are used to drive demand. And there's a number of ways that uh, the industry is, is spending those dollars to drive that demand. The board itself, you know, it has some fiduciary responsibilities in terms of approving an annual budget uh, for the national checkoff. Those dollars then, the ultimate spend, if you will, uh, is actually taken up by the operating committee. So the Beef Promotion Operating Committee, commonly referred to as the OC, if you will. And I know both Jimmy and myself have sat on that operating committee. It's comprised of 20 people. 10 of those individuals are elected from the beef board membership, and 10 of those individuals are elected from qualified state beef council. So collectively, those 20 people then set direction in terms of amongst broad categories of checkoffs expenditures, how much money and which a specific ARs they would recommend be funded. And I think Jimmy would agree with me that that, that process, that decision-making process on the part of the operating committee is one that is not taking lot, very lightly at all by any of those individuals. You know, there's a thorough review of the projects that have come in from the various contractors. And it's, it's a full-blown two-day process of determining, arguing, debating which projects to, in fact, fund and ultimately with the goal of increasing demand for the beef product. Jimmy, maybe you can add a little bit more on how the board decides whether to fund it. Mike kind of mentioned that sometimes there can be a little tension, some arguing. It's not always a unanimous decision. As a chairman, kind of what happened in those situations and how did you ultimately decide whether or not to fund something? The funding comes down to vote, but actually before it even gets to the operating at summer meeting of the CBB, there's actually committees that look at these ARs and the contractors come before committees explaining what they're going to do, what they want to do and how they're going to do it and what they're coming. And then those committees actually put together uh, information and what they think about those ARs before it even gets to the operating committee. And those are all basically CBB board members that sit on these committees. So then they overlook them, they debate them in committee, then they come before the board. Before you go into that meeting, you have all of the committee reports. I mean, it's you've got to study before you go into the operating committee meeting, or you're going to look pretty foolish just sitting there because a lot of people, you know, really work into these before they if they're appointed to the operating committee before they get there. The operating committee, you're elected by the board to sit on the operating committee. So it's the same situation. It's cattlemen, 
electing cattlemen to look at all of these things. During that that process of the operating committee making decisions, it's not a responsibility that's taken lightheartedly by any of those individuals, but it does require a tremendous amount of thought, a drive to, to generate some form of consensus because for any of these projects, for the operating committee to determine which which to fund and, and at what levels they will, they will be funded at, uh, two-thirds of that operating committee have to agree. So there there is a lot of back and forth in terms of establishing priorities of which projects uh, will do, have, have the greatest bang for the buck, if you will. So I, so I guess my overriding remark would be producers, they should feel confident and comfortable that these decision-making processes of, of how their dollars are being spent are not done in a vacuum. They're not done without considerable forethought, without considerable input from producers all over the country, that, to Jimmy's point, that come to meetings, who prioritize, who review projects that have been submitted by contractors, who prioritize those, who make recommendations to the operating committees, of which they believe at the committee level should or should not be funded. So it is a very, I'm not going to say complicated, but it is a very, very thorough process upon which decisions are made as to how producer dollars are actually being spent. Essentially, you're saying, I can't just send you an email tomorrow and get something funded the next day. No, no, I'm I'm not going to do that, nor is anybody else going to be. Legally, they can't. I mean, the act and order stipulates that somebody just can't willy-nilly decide to fund a project. That's all great examples and background. Sounds like a lot of homework and responsibility, especially being on the operating committee, lots of time put in to reviewing ARs and deciding and making those decisions. Let's go into a little bit about some common misunderstandings and myths from producers that you guys have continuously heard over the years, or maybe you've recently heard. I'm sure people know you're both still involved, so they call you. What are some of the common misunderstandings and myths from producers you've heard over the years, Jimmy, that you'd like to clear up? I think one that I just heard about was that they, you know, people get upset because they see authorization quests for the Foundation for Research on Meat and Poultry. I think we were that one actually, if I remember right, was a salmonella AR. And basically, if that authorization request was, if I brought it before the committee, before it even got to the operating committee, but just the the research committee uh, that was made up of the board at summer meeting, if I went in there and did it on poultry, I would probably walk out of there, I'd be tarred and feather and walk out of there looking like a chicken because basically they would not let that happen. It wouldn't even get to the operating committee. They would just kill it at that point. We don't do anything but what's good for beef and good for the beef producers. Now, if you happen to see the research, if I was going to do a salmonella project, I would probably go to a microbiologist or somebody that was well trained in salmonella, and they probably come out of the poultry industry or they would have worked with the poultry industry because they have way more problems with salmonella than we do. But we are starting to have some problems with salmonella, and USDA is getting tougher on salmonella. They're actually now doing a salmonella project uh, where they're looking at salmonella and ground beef over the next year, I think starting next year. And those type of things are important. And we need to get the best scientists possible. And basically, they might have worked on poultry through that foundation. But when they get our money, they're going to be working on beef. And that's just, just how it is. And that's what we make sure happens in the operating committee. 
just looking at the budget or looking at any documents that come out, there might be more information that's needed to make a decision on whether or not or what that's going towards. But essentially, it's all tying back to beef. Anything else or any other common questions that you've gotten over the years, Jimmy? I don't know. I'll let Mike come up with what he's heard, too. We hear a lot of them. Jimmy, you stole my primary example, but you know, you also often will hear concerns amongst producers wondering why are monies being spent in areas like major metropolitan area of New York, and it's it's done under a contract with these MICAs, the acronym, uh, and ask me what it stands for. I kind of struggle a little bit. I think folks need to understand that those dollars, once more, although it might look like those monies are being funneled through to the importers. Uh, the importers actually are actually overseeing a program that promotes beef in that northeast corridor uh, where we've got huge numbers of people, very limited numbers of cattle. And working through some of the groups in the area, you know, they're, they're doing some outreach, they're doing some producer education, whether it's in the area of veal quality assurance where a lot of veal is produced. And remember, veal producers pay into the checkoff, as do the importers of beef products. They are assessed levies goes back to you know kind of a, a head per head equivalent to bring meat into this country so you know I, I think there's there's a lot of misconceptions of who's overseeing the projects what they're accomplishing and a lot of it to Jimmy's example has to do just with certain terms names uh, I, I hope that people and producers feel confident that any dollars that are being spent via the oversight of, of the beef board, the qualified state beef councils, the operating committee, uh, whichever entity you want to point to, uh, it, it's important for everyone to know that those checkoff dollars are in fact being spent to drive demand for their products. I want to bring up another question that's brought up a lot. Um, if you go to any cattlemen's meetings around the country, probably, but the state, in my experience or industry events, we hear the question a lot, what is my dollar funding? Now, you both mentioned that all these projects are essentially to d drive beef demand. But this question of what is my dollar funding that producers ask gets brought up a lot. An article was just recently published by a current CBB board member, Steve Springer, explaining that a small percentage of the checkoff funds go towards producer communications. I'll post that link to the article in the description of this podcast so anyone can listen to it or go read it if you want to see it. But the main point is that producers can go to drivingdemandforbeef.com to see exactly what's being funded and how dollars are spent. I went on the website and it breaks it down really easily for you. There's more common questions that are asked and you can see some of the most recent returns from the dollar. But aside from visiting that website, Mike and Jimmy, how do you recommend producers check in on what their checkoff is funding? As past board members, what are some of the ways that producers you think should be able to look into what the checkoff is funding and know more about it? The one source that you just cited and the one that you're going to provide a link to is perhaps, in my opinion, the, the best for producers to, to turn to. Because to your point, Katie, it does a wonderful job of describing and laying out how dollars are being spent and relatively in, in basically six key areas, whether it's consumer information, foreign marketing industry information, promotion research, and you, you, you mentioned producer communication uh, earlier, but that website provides some tremendous information in terms of not only how much money is being spent, but uh, what programs are being, being funded. Uh, absent that, I think uh, another means by which producers can, can learn how their dollars are being spent 
is obviously by attending meetings. And so I would strongly encourage folks, and these meetings are open, whether it's beef board meetings or the state beef council meetings. If folks are interested, go to those meetings. Often, you know, the information is shared at those meetings as to how checkoff dollars are being spent, what projects are being funded, the results of some of those projects, and how they've benefited the industry at large. So I just recommend that, that people stay informed, stay involved, and the website that you cited, perhaps, Katie, is one of the best that, that they will find. Really important point there that these meetings are public, so you can attend them. You don't have to be on a board. You don't have to pay a registration. Um, you can just show up and attend them and get involved if you'd like to do that. Jimmy, I'm sure you have other recommendations. What is your experience with recommending producers that have well, questions? Those are probably the best ones. And then see what's happening in social media and those type of things, because it's important, even though maybe you're not on social media, get on there and see what the beef board is doing. And a lot of it will you know, come through that website and some of the programs that they've got going on. You know, what we're trying to do is that I know a lot of cattlemen have complained that, well, we never see any promotion in our area. Well, we're not trying to sell you on eating beef. I hope you're already eating beef if you're a cattleman. But what we're trying to do is promote it to people that don't know about our industry, don't know about our product, or they don't know how hard the cattlemen work, what great environmentalist cattlemen are, how the overall industry works in getting the product to them, how safe beef is, how nutritious beef is. If you're a cattleman, you should already know that. We're reaching out to the people that maybe are either anti that or listening to the other side of that equation. And that's who we're trying to reach. If you don't see it in your area, probably because your area already knows. Mike mentioned some funding going to New York. So maybe if you want to see it, take a trip to New York City. And sometimes I know the Beef Council has stuff in Times Square, which is pretty awesome. But really important point there that we're not trying to reach probably the area that producers live in. We're trying to reach beyond that. Anything else we didn't touch on that either of you want to bring up or chat about before we wrap this episode up? No, I think it's always good to talk about this for me. These were some of the best meetings that I ever go to. Whenever I go to a cattleman's meeting, I'm always around the best people in the world. So it, it just is a, it's a good meeting to go to. Occasionally I have to go to other meetings, but uh, these, those are always my favorites. So um, Perfect. I don't think I have anything else. Well, thank you both, Mike and Jimmy, uh, for making time for this. Um, I really appreciate you being willing to talk about this and also all your leadership in the industry. I've enjoyed talking with both of you and learning more about your experiences and your involvement in CBB. So thank you both again. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Thanks. Thanks everyone for listening. If you're a frequent listener of this podcast, we want to hear your suggestions for improvement and ideas for topics and future guests to be interviewed. We just launched a form to give feedback at calcattleman.org slash podcast. The link is in this episode's description. If you have any ideas for topics, guests, or just feedback in general, I'd love to hear it. We will be back in two weeks with our final legislative update of the year from Skittles Candy and Peeps being impacted by legislation signed by the governor to more hard-hitting subjects such as what's happened to the water rights bill CCA has been tracking since the beginning of this legislative session. CCA's Vice President of Government Affairs, Kirk Wilbur, will get us up to speed on the many wins CCA had this session and what his team and the rest of the Government Affairs team is continuing to watch closely. Thanks again for listening.